this week's edition of the T&B Show. We are coming at you from Chapel Hill, North Carolina. I'm Alex Thomas. And I'm Timothy Bain. And North Carolina has been in the news a lot this week. So uh, we'll get the, the least pleasurable things out of the way first by talking about House Bill 2, which has caused quite the stir now, hasn't it, Tim? Oh, yeah. Everybody's talking about it, even people who aren't that political. So it's a really big issue here. And you thought Trump was creating a lot of noise. Well, you're not wrong, but House Bill 2 has been creating possibly even more noise this week, at least in North Carolina. Absolutely. It's something a lot of people have definitely been focused on. And as Tim said, even people who aren't that political. I know people that I'm Facebook friends with and follow on Twitter who are a bit more vocal about it than even I am. So, um, Everybody seems to have an opinion. Yep. But I don't think a lot of people really understand what HB2 is. Um, House Bill 2, which is what was passed in North Carolina. So... Let's see if we can backtrack here and maybe explain this whole process before we get to the opinion portion. So here's HB, Here's what House Bill 2 is. House Bill 2 was passed by the General Assembly a few weeks ago. The General Assembly is the congressional body in the state of North Carolina, the U.S. Congress of the state, if you will. So House Bill 2 was legislation that barred manipul- uh, municipalities from passing non-discrimination ordinances that cover entire communities. These descriptions are provided by uh, WUNC, who did a great job explaining it. So leaders in certain cities and certain counties cannot pass protections that cover people in, let's say, non-discrimination ordinances. This all sprung out from an ordinance in Charlotte, basically um, providing the city to uh, give protections to people in the LGBT community in regards to um, public accommodation, uh, in regards to um, various um, services such as bathrooms and showers. And um, it would have protected individuals and prevented and uh, prohibited discrimination based on marital status, familial status, sexual orientation, gender identity, gender, gender identity, Gender identity. Gender identity. Gender identity. There you uh, go. I cannot talk this morning. I apologize. And expression. So it would have protected people on those issues in regards of passenger vehicles, uh, contractors for city work, and public accommodations. And that public accommodations thing is really interesting because you, you have the word public in there. And many mm-hmm. people think, oh, public sector, government. Government should go out and, you know, make sure that everybody is protected under the law. Except public accommodations is a little bit of an iffy thing to understand. Because a public accommodations does not necessarily mean publicly like publicly owned spaces. It can mean anything such as uh, restaurants, hotels, theaters, doctor's offices, retail stores, museums, libraries, private schools. Um, everything that kind of the Equal uh, Employment Opportunity Commission really figured out with race and gender. And now that sexuality is coming up, many have kind of implied those same um, stances to sexuality. So Charlotte's ordinance would have done that and protected people on sexuality. And the state said, no, we're not going to do that. Instead, we're going to say local municipalities cannot pass those kind of ordinances. They ought to be left up to the state. However, if a business, let's say, um, let's say I own a, um, a grocery store in goodness knows where pick a pick a city in north carolina tim uh gastonia okay let's say i own a grocery store in gastonia alex's grocery mart and i want to um you know 
provide bathrooms for people who I didn't, for um, people in the LGBT community and provide bathrooms in a manner that makes it, um, makes them feel welcome and would also, um, you know, not discriminate against um, their sexual orientation mm-hmm. or their, um, or how they identify with their gender. If I wanted to do that, I could still do that. But the city of Gastonia cannot tell me what I couldn't could do. Right. The state could, but not the uh, city. Exactly. So that was passed. Uh, the state passed it overwhelmingly in the in the um, in the House of Representatives in the General Assembly. Um, some Democrats hopped on board. Um, in the Senate, however, uh, a lot of Democrats actually walked out of the voting because they were so upset with how a without the processes and how the bill was went out because the bill was actually passed in, within a twelve hour period. It was introduced. It was brought to commission. It was brought to the House, it was brought to the Senate, and then it was brought to the governor, Pat McCormick. Mm-hmm. And it was done, it was signed, put into law in a 12-hour period. So it's been kind of contentious on that issue, but you also have the issue of, is this actually discrimination? Mm-hmm. And that's where a lot of the backlash is coming in. So a lot of businesses immediately came out and said, like, we're not going to allow this. The, the state has no right to, to um, allow this sort of discrimination. And the well, list- fine, they don't, they don't have to. It's... If the bill is saying that private businesses can come up with their own policies, then they don't they don't have to abide by it. But but um, here's some of the, the businesses that are against it. Uh, Lionsgate, who actually moved production of a um, Hulu series that they were doing from Charlotte into, I believe, Canada. Um, yes, they moved it to uh, British Columbia, so a, a little bit different of a location. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have Lionsgate, a Network, Fox, PepsiCo, Hyatt, Reddit, the Dow Chemical Company, Hewitt Packer, Barnes & Noble, Ralph Lauren, Google, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, American Airlines, Facebook, uh, Levi Strauss, Apple, Red Hat, Square, Twitter, Lyft, Pfizer, LinkedIn. The list goes on. PayPal also was against it. PayPal actually um, opted to not... Um, to actually cancel plans regarding a new facility they're opening in Charlotte that was going to provide 400 jobs to people in the city. They actually scrapped it over this. So this has been contentious. Um, A lot of people on the supporting side say that, hey, it protects people, um, women and children, and also men from being harassed and possibly uh, having their privacy um, disregarded by other people who come in who um, may identify as a certain gender but are not that gender biologically. Mm-hmm. So, um, and the other caveat on this is, let's say um, you are a man who was born a woman, so you're a biological woman who's now a man, um, and, and you identify as man, but on your birth certificate it still says that you're a woman. In mm-hmm. order to go into a men's bathroom, you would have to uh, go through a process of changing your birth certificate. Yes. And then you would uh, be allowed to go into the bathroom more freely. See, that's that's something that I think a lot of people don't understand about this bill is that you know, it refers to biological sex and restrictions of use to um, you know, multiple occupant bathrooms based only on what sex you were born is born as, sorry. But you can change it, but you have to do it legally. 
And I think I think that's an important key here is that if you do have a transgender person who is uh, who has changed um, their gender expression, then they have to uh, reflect that or make it reflect on their government documents. It's as it's as simple as that. It's not it's not like that if you are born male and now identify as female, it is impossible for you to ever use a female bathroom if that's what you choose to do. But you have to have it changed on your birth certificate. And um, finally, kind of wrapped up before we get into our discussion, uh, there's been some talk from opponents of HB2 saying that they were going to lose uh, Title IX funding, which is something you don't want to lose. And then, mm-hmm. of course, the ACLU and the ACLU of North Carolina, along with uh, Lambda Legal, who is a... Um, a civil rights organization that focuses on LGBT issues. Uh, they're now, uh, they filed suit against the state. And um, they also were joined by um, numerous public employees. I think one of them actually, well, actually one of them does actually work here at UNC he Chapel does, Hill. Yeah. Um, we had uh, Carolina Connection did a story about him last week. Um, really interesting guy. Uh, I recommend going back and listening to that story. Um, you can check it out at carolinaconnection.org plug um <laughs> so it's it's not been necessarily the easiest issue and now of course there's calls for the nba all-star game which is supposed to be in town in 2017 to be removed the ncaa is looking at it looking at their future plans of course we mentioned paypal earlier um so this is a uh, <laughs> it's a heavy issue and kind of to recap it basically charlotte <clears throat> passed a non-discrimination ordinance the state said no cities cannot do that but businesses can still be allowed to practice in whatever way that they want to um results in backlash from businesses as well as concerns that they're going to lose funding and um now the state is getting sued by the aclu and aclu of north carolina land illegal um equality north carolina was another Mm -hmm. organization and the uh university system actually came out came out with a statement yesterday saying hey we're going to abide by it we really don't have a choice right so um as, and I guess this is more of now the opinion section. As, as a libertarian, it's kind of hard to pick a right or wrong on this because you're sitting here looking at the city saying, wait, cities shouldn't have the ability to tell businesses what they can and can't do. The city should – cities and uh, state and federal governments and as well as county governments should go out mm-hmm. of their way to make sure that public services accommodate everybody, whether it's dealing with marriage, whether it's dealing with – bathrooms as long as it's a public as like a publicly owned space mm-hmm. i'm okay with that because that's what the government the government should not discriminate against everybody but however with the public accommodations point that's the point that really gets me but when right. you look at the state and say hey the state's saying that you know no city can pass these kind of ordinances it's now a balance of power who do you give power to local governments who better understand their areas better understand their constituents or mm-hmm. do you give it to the state who to be honest, doesn't really understand every single aspect and every single part of the state as well as, let's say, a local community understands their aspect. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a struggle between which is right and which is wrong. Personally, I would just say, hey, let's just have um, unisex bathrooms, have one stall, lock the door, call it a day. But granted, that's mm-hmm. extremely costly and, you know, it would take up a lot of space because let's say you have, you know, you have... Um, I'll just pick an example here from from the university. If we have a student union here, 
So we have a student union that people meet in and they congregate and they have uh, class meetings and club meetings there. And you can't really allow a lot of stalls and a lot of rooms like that to be in that one area. It's definitely a little bit more challenging. But at the same time, I it's something that I think that could be implemented going forward. Because at the end of the day, and we're just going to get, I'll do, just get straight to the point. I mean, everybody uses the restroom mm-hmm. in some <laughs> way, shape, or form. Really? Um, yeah, really. Yeah, I'm, I'm releasing shocking information this week. Um, but everyone uses the restroom in some way, shape, or form. Um, you should, we should be able to make sure that everybody has the ability to use the restroom. But at the same time, um, I don't like using the restroom personally next to other people. That's just yeah. me. It yeah. bothers me. Um, it, I don't like it where it is right now. And I, I know that may sound weird, but I would prefer, mm. I would personally prefer having it like a unisex or like a unisex one person, like a single yeah, occupancy, single occupancy bathroom. bathroom. Yeah. And it ends up being a woman who ends up coming in next or ends up being a man who comes in next or whatever. Um, you know, it's no big deal. As long as, you know, one person can have their own space and then when they're done, they're done. And, you know, mm-hmm. everyone gets on with their lives. You know, it's going to the bathroom. It isn't, this isn't a revolutionary concept. Um, I think, we'll see, I think that's, that's key to understanding this law is that for a lot of people, going to a public restroom, especially a multiple occupancy one, is awkward. It's awkward it's weird, it's uncomfortable, and that's just when everyone in there is of the same biological sex. And I think that's why the government is concerned about this, is because it sort of makes a lot of people kind of uncomfortable, especially when there's no, there was no real regulation on you know, who could decide to use whatever bathroom. But I think the thing you have to remember is, um, and Nick Gillespie of Reason Magazine pointed this out, only 0.03% of people, um, I think, are trans. Yeah. I may have read that wrong. But, it's, um, it's something yeah. like that. Yeah, it's, it's, a very insign- it's a very small number. Not insignificant, but small. Um, I, d- I've, I may have used the restroom next to a trans person before. Never realized it. To yeah. be honest... I don't think that's the I don't think that's really, you know, what's on the mind between me and the person next to me is are they really a man mm-hmm. or are they not really a man? I think the purpose I think the thing that's on our mind is, oh, I have to use the restroom. I'm here using the restroom. Um and right. one of the arguments I think that's come well, out, at least from students, is why not just have unisex bathrooms in general and have like uh like a bathroom that we have now where you'd have like stall, 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 or um, urinal, urinal, urinal. I guess I, like, urinals are m- the most useless thing on the face <laughs> of the planet. Um, and like, why not let everybody in? It's like I still don't. That still wouldn't make me comfortable because I still right. have to use the bathroom next to everybody. But at the same time, um, I mean that that would that be on the table? Is that mm-hmm. considered safe? Um, I I would say it's not necessarily the safest option. But I don't think we're gonna have a a rampant wave of sexual assaults as a result of it um i don't think it's the best option either i think the best option would Mm -hmm. still just be single occupancy i think the problem is is that a few years ago it would have been common sense that you you use the bathroom 
based on your biological sex. But now as society is changing, we're having trouble adapting and knowing that or trying to figure out what we do about it. I think I think one important thing also thinking about this law is that nobody's going to be standing in front of the bathroom checking your identification before you go in. So it's only hate to say it, but it's only it's only a problem if someone else reports it. And really why on earth are you going in and being like, hmm, are you really a man? Are you not really a man? Just just go with the bathroom. Right. Just go, why? And that's a, and that's what most people I think are going to do. Mm-hmm. I it's I I've seen some people who are um against the law who um you know have to abide by the law and are making a display of it and not a negative display but a display mm-hmm. and showing like one of the shortcomings is like look if it says in my um birth certificate that i'm a female and i'm i identify as a male that's a big problem and we should probably either a figure out a way to not make that part of the law or b uh just let people and businesses and everything else just live the way they change want to. the birth certificate or you can also change your birth certificate, that's, which, I mean, that's, that's, which to me is to that's me, personal responsibility. To me, I think the birth certificate thing has to be um, kind of the the big kind of hang up with with how on earth this exactly goes through in terms of um, is would it make sense cost wise to do it, or would it just make more sense just to go in the bathroom and get on with your daily life? And technically, are you breaking the law? Yes, but I don't think we're going to have bathroom monitors set up saying. Okay, are you really mm-hmm. a man? Are you not really a man? But, but the thing about the birth certificate is it makes that change permanent. So I think if they are, if transgender people are willing to make all these changes to not only to their lifestyle, but in some cases to their anatomy, then I think they should also be willing to change their legal identity as well i so as far as the law goes no matter what you identify as you are still the the sex that you were born with and so the law has to respond in that way if you want to be treated differently then you have to change your legal status i think it's as simple as that I, I still think it's as simple as just let people use the bathroom, let people get on with their lives, let businesses operate they want to. If local communities end up passing ordinances, like Charlotte's, let them pass ordinances. Just that's the best way to rule government is letting decisions being decided as small as possible. But and you know if it ends up you know sucking, ends up not working out, you know local governments can change it. But like you were saying earlier, the problem with the with the ordinance that charlotte passed was the public accommodation section oh yeah of don't, it. don't get me wrong i was and not for the charlotte ordinance at all but if i had to pick one or the other i would probably be more for charlotte's than i would be for the states you know in the but in this case i the state government understood that this ordinance was extremely problematic in that way. And yes, while it's less than ideal for a larger government entity to come in and say what a smaller one can do, when it's that problematic, I don't see how they have a choice. They have to they have to act in that way. That's my opinion on it. I know other people disagree. 
but the I mean I would have preferred that the Charlotte wouldn't have passed and we wouldn't have had to have dealt with this in the first place but the General Assembly did what they felt like they had to do and as far as the and as far as businesses leaving the state I I'm not a big fan of you know the huge amount of influence that businesses and corporations have over the government anyway and it has no effect on how any of those businesses would operate this is this is because they are afraid of protesters they're they understand that uh, transgender people have a lot of political support especially among a lot of grassroots organizations and they do not want to deal with the controversy so to them the easiest thing to do is to condemn it well i think businesses have to operate from a stance that they understand who um you know who are their customers and i really don't have a problem with businesses getting into uh like donating and make, making vocal noise about certain things because they know they have to worry about their customers and they they mm-hmm. in a sense represent their customers and they are i think they're as much of an actor as i am or you are or you know the Koch brothers or george soros is they they have a say in this in sense of they have to deal with people on a continuous basis and you know if they come out and say hey guess what we're support like we support this law or whatever the law is or they come out and say hey we're against it and we want to kick out of there yeah, i think they have 100 well, percent right to do it's, that it's, I, i'm not afraid of the almighty uh power of the dollar i'm afraid of the almighty power of uh, people not knowing what they're talking about, which unfortunately can be influenced by the dollar, right. but it also can be influenced by fear. Well, there's a difference between lobbying and threatening. So, threaten like the NBA threatening to remove the All-Star game. And getting pushed by Charles Barkley this week, too. Yes. Um, it's terrible. I, I'll give another example. Georgia's law that had to do with uh, businesses uh, catering to Basically to a homosexual religious couples. freedom restoration. Right, act. right. Um, this, the NFL threatened uh, to not give Atlanta the Super Bowl. They're building a massive, beautiful new stadium in Atlanta that they really want the Super Bowl. They're throwing money down the tube with yeah. that new stadium. But. Yeah, and the NFL threatened that they would not give them the Super Bowl if they allowed this law to pass. And, and the had, governor vetoed that law. And then you, of course, had Disney and Marvel but who see, also voiced their concerns as well. So, But see, here's the double standard. The NFL, within the next few years, is playing several games in China. In China, it is illegal to portray homosexuals on television, and it is certainly illegal for homosexuals to get married. And so I think for a lot of businesses, there is this huge double standard that they are threatening to, and and in some cases they have, to take business away from this state because of this ordinance while they do business in totalitarian countries all over the world where many people don't even have basic human rights. I think that is a gross, gross double standard. Well, first of all, did they actually officially announce that they were going to play games in China? I know I saw the rumors, but I didn't know if they were. Um, I'm not sure, but okay. I assume it's going to happen. Yeah, it's the NFL. They want to try to you know, play games in the dumbest of places. I still am not a big fan of the, the um, UK games every single year. It's <laughs> ridiculous. But the second thing is, I mean, if the inter- and regarding hypocrisy, it's a good point, because if you, The Intercept actually did a really good uh, story about how many people are, like, supported by the companies they backlash. And if you look at all the companies that are like, HB2 is evil, we shouldn't have HB2, shame on the General Assembly. And then you look at who they're supporting. 
Who do you yeah. think they're supporting? They're supporting the people who voted for HB2. So if you're going to be a business and you're going to come out there and say that I'm against HB2 and, mm. you know, and blah, 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 then fine. Then, but you have to, you know, 100% stand by your guns and not 100% necessarily say what's popular. Right. Which I think is kind of a consequence and there, right now. And see, there's a difference between lobbying and bullying or threatening to to just withdraw your business. Huge difference there. Mm-hmm. I We need to kind of move on, but I guess the, the closing note for me at least would be, just thank goodness we're not Mississippi. Have you seen Mississippi's LGBT law? I have not. Oh, gosh. Like, Georgia and North Carolina's thing are a totally different level. Mississippi is just downright. It is just not even, it's not even about protecting religious beliefs. If point out, if point blank says that marriage should be recognized as a union between a man and a woman, sexual relations are properly reserved to such marriage, and that man and female refer to an individual's uh, biological sex. So it, it's 100%, mm-hmm. it's like 100% worse than what North Carolina and Georgia were like, what North Carolina actually put into law and what Georgia considered to put in the law before Nathan Deal ended up vetoing it. But uh, it's a, it's an interesting time to be in the state. I'll I, I want to make one last note about sure. the North Carolina law. This is to everybody. Read the law. I, Very I would, simple. It's five pages. It's not like Obamacare where it's thousands and thousands of pages. It's five pages. You can read it in ten minutes. I would say that with any law. Just read the yes. law. Especially um, one that you hear about. Don't comment on it until you've actually read it. And I would say that for both supporters and people who are against yes. it. Yes. I've seen a lot of I've yes. seen both supporter comments and opponent comments who just are out of nowhere and are just like, what are you guys coming up with, with here? Have you guys actually read the mm-hmm. law? And of course, they probably haven't. They probably read what has kind of been the more popular sources or what you know mm-hmm. certain groups have come out there and said, which is fine to agree with those groups, but at the same time, understand the law by reading the law. If you want to go to extra sources, if you want to go to... Uh, mm-hmm. Get extra viewpoints. That's absolutely the right. the governor's office put out a fantastic fact sheet about what the law does and what the law doesn't. And so, if you still have questions about it, I'd encourage you to read that to get at least the governor's side of the story. I personally would just read the law. I would. I'm not saying that against the governor. I'm just saying I would just personally read the law. Right. Because let's face it, the governor, the governor, the governor's office or any office, whether it's Republican or Democrat, are going to try to skew something in a way that's positive towards their cause absolutely so i would personally just go read the law but that's just me but again north carolina news has also been interesting this week because we had a little game on uh last monday small one that we lost uh the national championship for basketball and uh for starters i'm gonna say i'm not that upset i know a lot of people on campus were uh were not too happy with the result Mm -hmm. um (laughs) i i live in a suite here and at the university so i live with in a small suite i have one room and there's three other rooms and a communal bathroom um i was sitting in my room watching the game and i was watching that last second beautiful shot by villanova chris beautiful jenkins. shot chris jenkins fantastic shot um there were some words uttered across the hall for me that i'm not going to say but they weren't necessarily the most appropriate words i'll just go out there and say that apparently there are businesses on franklin street which is our big kind of main street that we have here in town um, a lot of the patrons weren't too happy with the result, so they started uh, slamming down glasses and screaming, and I'm pretty sure there was probably some property damage as uh. well. So, um, not necessarily the best time to be in Chapel Hill Monday night. I'm just no, it was put a, that out there. It was a very sad time. I think I've been going through the different stages of grief. I'm recovering. <laughs> I think I've almost 
made it through the worst. I, um, I actually got over it, it, like, really, really instantly. Like, as soon as know, that shot made in, I was like, okay, like, you know, this is life. I'm okay with this. I wasn't too terribly upset. I mean, I wasn't, you know, in a fit of rage or anything. You weren't slamming down a beer glass? No, more of a, more of a state of shock than anything, but... You know, when I woke up the next morning, I think that's when it really hit home and it really hurt for a long time. But, you know, that's just the nature of the game. I want to say that I'm really proud of our team. They did a good job. They they played well. They represented us well. You know, they've dealt with a lot of adversity this season. Oh, a even lot over their four years. I mean, yes. yeah, the whole academic scandal, the Weinstein report, right. and all this stuff that kind of, you know, that can affect your mentality. And they just kept on trucking mm-hmm. through so um, I, mean, I bet the NCAA wasn't very happy that we were in the game, but um, well, the NCAA is happy that they were making money. So yes, if well, Carolina that, ended up making point. the money. I really don't think they'll care. But but yeah, our but those student athletes, man, our they team, deserve any of that. our team, especially our seniors. You're right, have dealt with a lot of adversity in the past four years, and this season with uh, people saying that they weren't tough enough, that they didn't have enough heart. Questioning to, Lord. Yes, questioning Roy, saying if he sh- whether or not he should retire. And you know what? They put it all to bed. They showed they they not only showed a lot of talent in their tournament run, but even in that game they showed a lot of heart because with 5 minutes to go, they were down by 10. They could not push the ball into the paint, which is how we've been able to be so successful over so many games. We had to do something that we haven't done all season long, really, and hit a lot of three-pointers and outside shots. And we were still in the game. We stormed back in the past five minutes, and Marcus Page made one of the most amazing shots I've ever seen with four seconds to go. He's been the He's been the heart of this team for the past several years we all admire him so much because well i admire him a lot yeah i mean i i, I think marcus is a great player but in terms of uh, admiration i have to give that to bryce personally but you make yeah continue. but i mean he's i i admire bryce too but talk bryce about, doesn't get talk about, he doesn't he doesn't but marcus has done everything the right way he's a great student he, he's in the journals yes school. he makes great grades He's he always goes to class. He works really hard. So this whole idea that a lot of critics have said that UNC students are, you know, uneducated. All they do is play basketball. They're illiterate. It's completely not true, especially with Marcus Page. Just talk to Marcus Page and you'd know. Have you, have you been reading the NC State forms again, Tim, where they make that well, those jokes all the time? I can't help but read Twitter sometimes. I, I love my NC but, State brethren, though. I, I Yeah. NC State's a nice campus. I, I'll admit, I think Hillsborough Street to me is more like a like that typical mm-hmm. college street more than is mm-hmm. to Hillsborough or than uh, Franklin Street. Franklin Street's nice, but Hillsborough Street has a bowling alley, and the conversation could end mm-hmm. right there because it's a bowling alley. You can't really compete. Love it. Um, but yeah, at the same time, I think we had a great season. Um, it's a good way to end your senior year. Mm-hmm. I was I thought it was one of the greatest games probably in college basketball yeah. history. I think the I one think... game that may beat it. Would be states run NC State's run in 1983 uh, with Lorenzo and Jimmy B and um, those guys who really like went up against great mm-hmm. odds. I think one of these days, maybe sometime in the future, I may see that as one of the great games of all time. But I think I need time to, you know, re- 
recover from the disappointment, although it was a fantastic game. And I'm going to say one more thing about it, that as proud as I am of our team and their run and how far they went, I'm more proud of how they handled it. You know, it's been a disappointing year to be a sports fan in North Carolina because you had the Carolina Panthers losing in the Super Bowl and now you had the Tar Heels losing in the national championship game. But the Hornets are in the playoffs, so that's That's a- true, so maybe. You never know. Um, but, you know, a lot of a lot of that with the Panthers' Super Bowl run was overshadowed by Cam Newton's terrible press conference after the game. But then you had our players and Roy Williams who were so gracious, uh, so polite. They sat down and were willing to, you know, answer as many questions from the press as they could. And it was just a very refreshing thing to see. They carried themselves so well, and we're really, really proud of them for that. Mm -hmm. Again, really upstanding guys this year. Absolutely. So um, I guess on that note, that concludes this week's episode of the T&B Show. Thank you so much for joining us this week. I know we spent most of it on uh, HB2, um, not necessarily the most exciting and gripping of subjects, oh, but yeah. hey, you know, you got to talk about what you got to talk about. So uh, next week, I don't know, we'll just devote to Donald Trump and see if we can get those <laughs> get those listens up. Um, because that's all that's if you end up going back and listening to like some of the interviews with media presidents and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Guess what? They all cite Trump as being one of the main reasons that ratings have just soared. Um, but anyway, uh, if you want to check us out on social media sites, you can go over to Facebook, search TNB Show and give our page a like root. Or you can follow us on Twitter at TNB Show. And on behalf of Timothy Bain, this is Alex Thomas saying so long from Chapel Hill, and we'll see you guys next time. Take care.